You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Merrill. Merrill believes there isn't just one way to get where we're going. And as travelers who are drawn to new destinations by the outdoor journeys that await, that's something we can completely relate to, especially when it comes to seeking out new trails. Merrill's goal is to provide thoughtfully designed, rigorously tested products that overdeliver on performance, versatility, and durability, so you'll be prepared for whatever trail the road takes you to. Stay tuned for later in the episode. We'll hear from Noelle Russell, part-time road traveler and avid hiker, about what it's like to get off the road and onto the trails, and where she loves to hike when she's staying close to home. Learn more at merrill.com. Hey, van life and dating life are pretty similar because if it's broken, you can either sell it to someone else and throw it away or you can try to fix it. I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. When I first hit the road full time over two years ago, I was prepared for a lot of things breakdowns, the mechanical and the emotional kind, searching high and low for a place to camp at night, being relatively out of money at all times, not showering as much as I used to, and using pretty much every form of public and outdoor toilet there is to find. But one thing I didn't prepare for when hitting the road was going through a breakup, especially since the person I separated from shared the same camper van as me. I haven't addressed this directly on the show, but it feels like high time to, because there are so many of you out there listening who have gone through something similar And to say the least, it's a unique way to leave a relationship. But for all the turmoil that uprooting yourself from any relationship can bring, be it one that ended on the road or in a more stationary setting, there are also amazing opportunities for growth tucked within such a transitional and often painful chapter. One of the inspiring voices who came to light during my own breakup was that of Allie Powell, who you heard from at the top of the episode. Allie took the pain she felt from the ending of her former relationship and decided to do something with that energy. And she calls it the heartbreak road trip. I'm going to let Allie take it from here, starting things off with explaining what vehicle she uses to get on the road these days and what the Heartbreak Road Trip actually is. So I currently live in a 1981 Chevy van G10, and her name is Stormy Vaniels. (laughs) But the project, the Heartbreak Road Trip, is a photography coffee table book where I've been collecting items from people from their past relationships for the last year and in turn sharing my story, hearing theirs, and then taking the items and destroying them in beautiful landscapes or maybe a place that meant something to the relationship to either look absolutely destroyed or potentially like relics of the past. That's just so beautiful and a little bit haunting, but I really like the concept. Where did that come from? A little over a year ago, I was in a relationship and we were living in a van together. And then when that relationship ended, I had to move out of the van. I had to quit my job and it was kind of fight or flight. So instead of going back to Maui where I'm from and just kind of throwing in the towel, I started brainstorming with my dad actually (laughs) about ideas of how I could take my photography and try to either just put all of my energy into that or potentially turn it into a monetary thing. And so we discussed, and it started out as 
roadkill on the side of the road as I traveled. And then I was like, well, that's kind of gross. And maybe five people would want to see dead animals on the side of the road. So it kind of evolved from there to what if I threw stuff on the side of the road, photographed it, and then obviously threw it away. And then that kind of evolved even more into what if I took other people's things from their past relationships and mine and destroyed them. And then instead of doing it on the side of the road, I took it to the Grand Canyon. Like that's what I did a couple months ago. And then in San Diego, I did the same thing. And then when I went to Chattanooga last week, that was also kind of the goal for that was to take it to a place that meant something to their relationship or mine and destroy it there and then throw it away in that place to never be seen again. (laughs) What I love about that story that I actually hadn't heard before was that your dad was a partner in brainstorming some of that with you. And I just think that's really sweet. Honestly, he's my biggest fan. (laughs) And that makes everything a lot easier because my parents are artists. So they've been doing that my whole life. And so it's really easy if I have a question or kind of want to bounce some ideas off of someone who will not only think of it in a different way or a similar way, but in a creative way. He's also not against being very hard on me and being like, no, that's a dumb idea. Don't do that. But with this, my mom drew the logo that I have for the project. And then my dad helped create it into what it is now. And They have just been so supportive with everything, and it's been awesome. That's incredible. And something else I just love about the origin of the Heartbreak Road trip is that you took something that was painful, and I can relate to that situation where you're living with a partner in a van and then move out. And it's a very specific type of breakup where the best way I've been describing it to people is you lose your relationship, your home and your vehicle all simultaneously. And so it's a very displacing type of experience. So I love that you took the pain and the struggle from that and you really embraced it and are turning it into something that you can forge new connection and more creativity with. Yeah, it's kind of wild to think that a couple days ago last year was the first time I shared wanting stuff from other people on Facebook. And I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for a year. That's so wild. (laughs) But it feels great to actually follow through with something, I guess. (laughs) Because normally I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it just kind of has momentum and then slowly fizzles away. But as time has been going on, I'm just finding new ways to interact with people and new ways to get new stuff. And it's been really cool to kind of see it actually evolve into what it is now. And I feel like the end is pretty close. I'm hoping to either take it to a publisher because I feel like I have enough content now that I might be able to pitch it as an idea or self-publish it, hopefully by late fall, maybe winter. So it's kind of like the horizon. I see it, and I'm running towards it really quickly. (laughs) When you first started asking people on Facebook a year ago for items from their past relationships, what was the general response that you got from people? A lot of it was positive. I had a lot of friends who had gone through really difficult relationships and they were like, this is perfect. Here's all my stuff. 
but I also posted it on some women's groups on Facebook, and I think in the entirety of it, I've gotten one negative comment that will probably stick with me forever, but it was a girl, and she said, why don't you focus your energy on something that makes people feel good, because this is just really sad, and I think looking at it from that point of view, like, I don't necessarily see it as this really sad thing. Obviously, I've sat down with countless people now, and I've cried in a Cafe Rio with someone that I literally met five minutes before, but I think at the end of it, because that same person, I ended up hanging out with her maybe two months after that, and she said that not having the things that she gave to me is the most relieving feeling she could have ever asked for, so... I get to see both sides, and so I think whoever doesn't, they just see it as, oh, you're just digging for people's past, or you want everyone to be sad, but looking at the photos and getting to share these experiences with people, it's more than I could have ever asked for, and it's it starts out sad as we share our stories, and people do kind of relive some of that heartbreak, but at the end of the day, it's them kind of letting it go. Definitely. I find it interesting that one, you know, it's not really too surprising to me because we do often, all of us now receive different types of critique online from people who don't know us or only know us a little bit. And those negative comments just do tend to stick with us more than the dozens or hundreds or whatever quantity of positive comments the negative ones usually stick out just because they're a little bit needling sometimes but I love your response to it because grief comes in all forms and people process it in all forms and this might not be something that works for everybody but it does sound like it struck a chord with a lot of people who just want to be able to release something in a different way and maybe feel like this is a really good outlet for it and are giving you literally a piece of their past to just do something beautiful with where maybe it's been causing them a lot of burden and pain. Yeah, exactly. And it's cool because I've gotten literally one thing from someone and they kept the entire box and then there's other people where they've given me the entire box and they're like, this is literally everything from my three-year relationship. I don't want to see it again. I don't care where you take it. I don't care what you do to it. I just need it gone. And I think being able to be that vessel, some people have asked if it's in turn made me sad or think about it in that way. But sometimes it has, but not really, because at the same time, I'm looking back and I'm like, I am letting these people destroy their things in a way that maybe just throwing it away wouldn't have been as relieving. So it's kind of nice because it's very different than just setting everything on fire. And some people love doing that and it's helped them. But for me, like, I don't have a bunch of stuff from old relationships. I have weird little, like, I had a sandwich order note from this past partner that I ended up destroying in Nashville and using as a napkin at the Hattie B's that him and I went to. <laughs> and that was cool, because then I put it on my tray and I threw it away. I was like, okay, this is gone forever. And I think being able to not just burn something, but be able to 
kind of turn it into this cool creative project is way more rewarding than just setting something on fire. I agree. And I think there's something to be said for just the type of reflection that goes into that, too. I'm curious to know what types of items have you received? You've mentioned different quantities like a box or, you know, just one item. But what types of things have you received that have really stood out to you? I actually had someone send me a Canon camera that was totally stripped and old, but he sent me that. With the camera, I got a box from a vibrator, which was really interesting. (laughs) I've gotten countless love notes, either from the person or for the person. I have some origami. I have a t-shirt, a record. When I went to Chattanooga, we destroyed a record player, so that was really cool. So it kind of varies, but definitely a lot of letters and notes and little trinkets like that. One of the girls who gave me the box of everything, there was a three-year partner journal where they both wrote in it for a really long time. And then in that box, too, was a leaf from when they went to Yosemite together and Something that really stuck out was someone shared my original Facebook post and I got a message from someone who I've still never met and he mailed me his wedding ring with an index card and on his index card it said, I don't know why I kept this. This was the last thing that I have for my marriage, but letting it go is letting go of the notion that I failed. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. It's really interesting to find out what people keep from relationships. So it's literally a spectrum of everything. There are books. There are, I'm trying to think of what else. There's a necklace that I have. There's a stuffed animal. I have a couple stuffed animals. I had a wallet that I let my friend's dog chew up, and that was awesome. (laughs) So it's a little bit of everything. But some of it, I've opened a box and been like wow this is really cool and also are you sure you want to destroy this (laughs) it must be a surprise like you were saying sometimes you'll open things up and be like oh wow but yeah it must be a surprise to look at that and then the improvisation behind it yeah you're really manifesting what it's like to let go of something and you're doing it for somebody else so it's this really interesting gift and also a creative act have you ever looked at something and been like I have no idea how I'm going to destroy this yes someone that I know she sent me a box full of stuff from her and about five other friends and there's a shell in the box and I have no idea what to do with the shell (laughs) is it like a big shell Yeah, it's a pretty big shell, and it's really pretty, but yeah, I'm just kind of at a loss for that. And then there are a couple other things where, yeah, I could burn all the letters, but it burns so quickly that it's really hard to photograph. So, and also I don't want 90% of the book to be things on fire. (laughs) But when I was in Chattanooga, it was kind of cool because that was the first time that the person who had given me their items was actually with me when I was destroying it. And I actually let her destroy the record player, which was really cool to watch. So I got a totally different element of photos from that, of 
her trying to rip it apart and smashing it on a rock. And so I'm kind of at the point where I might want to start integrating that a little bit more if the people are okay with actually being in the book. Like a friend of mine has a wedding dress and we decided that once she gets it shipped to her, she's going to wear it and cut it up and I'm going to photograph her cutting it up and everything. And then at the end, it'll probably be in a pile on the ground. But it might be kind of cool if I tried to start integrating more of the people into it. But I know a lot of people, too, are like, I don't ever want to see it again. I don't want people to know that it's me. So it's kind of hit or miss with that. But I think it could add a different element to it and maybe help them release on a grander scale instead of just giving the stuff away. What have you learned so far in doing this project with the Heartbreak Road Trip? I've learned that I hold on emotionally to a lot more things than I let on. (laughs) I've kind of had to reflect a lot on my past relationships and a lot of things as I'm going through my storage unit and going through the van. I'm finding things that meant something to maybe a relationship I had like three years ago when I first moved to Colorado. So it's kind of helping me as I help other people, not just with this relationship that was a year ago, but also with things that I thought I had already dealt with. So it's kind of creating a new way for me to reflect and I've created some really awesome bonds with the people who I've met, and it's introduced a lot of people who I probably never would have met before into my life, and it's re-teaching me how to share bits of myself, because after this last relationship, I really shut down, and I haven't dated seriously at all since then, and I'm kind of gaining momentum towards a point where I feel like I can give more of myself away to somebody, whether that's friendship or actual relationship or partnership. But I think it's teaching me a lot about different layers of myself that maybe I didn't really want to look into or wanted to necessarily deal with. So I think that's been really liberating to kind of be able to look back and be like, okay, These are things that I need to deal with, and now I'm finally dealing with them, and it feels really good. I hear that, and it's so interesting that you said that this has even made you think about maybe some of the different ways that you've just moved on from things without reflecting on them or really giving them closure, because I think that that's all too common with dating culture and also just grief culture in general. And when I first told our team that I was going to be interviewing you, one of our team members asked me if I was going to destroy something or have you destroy something. And I had to stop and think. And I was like, I actually don't know if I have anything from a previous relationship. And then I was like, well, I must. Like, I, I absolutely have to have something that would be really unlikely that I didn't. And I realized at that point how numb I had just made myself to (laughs) recognizing where even I might still have personal work to do when it comes to finding closure with relationships or just reflecting on them and finding other ways to gain insight about myself or move on from them in some way. And so revisiting that 
is something I'm still in the process of doing now because someone asked me that question. (laughs) And it's interesting because I think that a lot of us want to just move on from the unpleasant, but the reality is that there is so much goodness to be found there. And I feel like this project is one such way where you're just demonstrating that there are whole new sides to you that you can pull out from situations like this and you can form new relationships from hurtful times. And it's just really beautiful. Thank you. If you do have anything, let me know. Sit tight. We'll hear more from Allie after this. That's the only reason why I plan road trips is to hike. That's part-time road traveler and forever avid hiker, Noelle Russell. She knows a thing or two about striking the balance between hitting the road and hitting the trails. And because this episode is sponsored by Merrill, we wanted to share Noelle's perspective when it comes to seeking out that next hike, even if you have a case of jello legs after emerging from the driver's seat. I think hitting the trail, it's always tough the first little bit of time that you're spending on the trail. But I think you'd make those drives so that you can get to the mountain. So even though your muscles are a little bit tight, it's a fun way to to dive into things. Noelle recently tried out Merrill's Ontario Midwaterproof Hiking Shoe, and it seems like they're quickly becoming a summer staple for the trail and beyond. I love them. I was actually surprised because they're so, they look so substantial. I was surprised at how light they are. So I've had a lot of fun wearing them out on the trail, but I also, like I wore them out to drinks last night and I felt really cute. So I feel like you get more bang for your buck with them because they're really great shoes to wear on the day to day, but they also handle really well on the trail. Stay tuned for more stories with Merrill this summer. And to learn more in the meantime, visit Merrill.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-L-L dot com. Trail to bar is like my M.O. It's like my mantra. So I still have a good amount of things that I have to destroy. We're back with Allie. And I wanted to know more about what it meant for her to be on the road as a part of the heartbreak road trip. Like many of us, Allie found that getting and staying on the road for an extended period of time didn't necessarily coincide with what life had in store for her at the present moment. But that hasn't stopped her from traveling and using her van as part of her project. So when I thought of the project and actually was ready to launch it, I launched a Kickstarter. And I originally started out with a pretty hefty goal because I was like, this will help me buy a van. I'll be able to travel for six months or so full time and just be able to do it all in a short period of time and then go from there. And about a week before the Kickstarter was over, I was maybe a third of the way to my goal. And so I had to figure out a different game plan. So I canceled that Kickstarter, relaunched it with a goal that was similar to what I had already raised, just because I knew that if I could at least get everyone who'd already donated, that I could meet the goal and then at least get the van and be able to afford to self-publish it if I had to. So after I relaunched it, I hit the new goal, but at the end of the day, I didn't have enough money to travel full-time because I didn't have any savings and I was working a crappy $9 an hour minimum wage job at a smoothie bar that I didn't care about (laughs) before we had ended our relationship. So Now I am working full-time as the marketing coordinator at a climbing gym here in Denver. So they're probably some of the best people ever, and they let me work semi-remote if I want to go on a trip. So when I went to Chattanooga this last 
weekend, I was able to work a couple days and still get all of that stuff done. And when I went home to Maui for two weeks, I was able to work the whole time. So they've been really good with working with me so that I can still take some small trips. But I'm definitely still on the road trip and still looking for new stuff to destroy since I think I'm going to have at least like six months left of trying to get everything kind of tied up on my end. So I'm definitely still in the process of all of it. I really appreciate your just honest approach to that because the reality is that a lot of people don't have the time or resources to travel full time and it can make road travel feel really inaccessible where it's an all or nothing thing and you have this other huge project that you're doing this travel for too so I just appreciate you taking the approach of saying hey I can still do this even though it's maybe not full time I can still make it happen and even I know it's a road trip, but I flew to Tennessee, and I was like, this is still part of it, even though I flew here, because it doesn't make sense to spend 20 hours in a car when I could spend five hours in the air and then end up in the same place and have way more time to actually work on everything instead of just like, okay, well, now I'm only here for a day. Let's bang it all out, and then I'll leave. So I got to really savor the time that I had with my friend and with the project. And I honestly think it wouldn't have been the same if I had driven. We probably could have added the van into some of the photos or something. But I think just having that extra time was really valuable. And I had to come to terms with, okay, it's fine if I don't drive there because the outcome is going to be the same. Yeah, Tell me a little bit about your van. How did you find your van and what's it like? Yeah. So Stormy Vaniels is small. I don't have a pop top or anything. And the body style is technically a shorty. So I fit in a normal parking spot, which is so legit. (laughs) And I don't have to stress about that. And I know you know all about small vans with your transit. But it's not as built out as I would like. I have a bed. And I have a three-drawer dresser that hold toiletries and all of my cooking stuff and things like that. And I have a cassette toilet for emergencies. But I'm hoping in the next couple months I can kind of rebuild the entire inside to make it feel a little more homey. Because right now I don't spend much time in the van just because I get in there and I feel cramped and nothing really has a home. So there's stuff everywhere. (laughs) It really stresses me out. (laughs) But I love it. Starting out, I had a lot of mechanical issues because it's a 37, 38-year-old van. And so I found it on Facebook Marketplace from this guy who lives up in Greeley, which was like almost two and a half hours away from Colorado Springs where I was living when I found the van. So I went up, looked at it. I love that old style Chevy body. So I was so pumped and it was super cheap. It was like $2,500. And so I took it to a mechanic to get a pre-purchase inspection and they pretty much rained on my parade so hard that I called my parents crying and I was like I'm not getting this van it's broken 
it's never gonna work. It needed a new transmission, it needed new hoses and new belts, and they were like, the engine might be good, it might not be good, we don't really know, we have to look at everything else. So they quoted it around like a thousand dollar fix-ish. So I was able to negotiate and get the van down to fifteen hundred. I was like, okay, this is fine. I can make this work. It ended up costing almost three grand to get the van fixed because <laughs> way more was wrong. As soon as they pulled out the transmission pan, it had chunks of metal in it, and they're like, yeah, we have to rebuild everything. And it took them almost a month to get the van fixed. Thankfully, I was living with a friend down in Colorado Springs, and I still had my CRV, so I had transportation and everything, and then once the van was done, I picked it up, it worked great, and everything was good, and then all of a sudden, a month later, I was sitting at a stoplight, and it sounded like the engine turned off, because it's loud, and it's an old van, so... She rumbles, <laughs> and all of a sudden it stopped, and I was like, oh my god, the van's going to explode. And it started smoking out of the exhaust, and I pulled into an apartment complex, started crying hysterically, and I was like, I can't afford to fix this, this is it, I don't have a house, I don't have a car, I'd sold my CRV at that point, and I ended up taking it back into a different mechanic, and they had to fix a bunch of stuff but it ended up not being as expensive as they had quoted me, which was great. I drove to California, and I drove back, and everything was fine. And then maybe a week or two after I got back, it started smoking again. <laughs> and I panicked. I took it back to the shop, and the part that they had replaced had failed. So then when I got it back, after they'd fixed it the third time, Knock on wood, I haven't had any issues yet. Everything's been good. And, I mean, I love that van with every ounce of my soul. <laughs> but I'm also looking into, in hopefully less than a year, I'll have enough money to put a down payment on a new, high-top, large, probably Ford Transit or maybe Dodge Promaster. Just because not being able to stand kind of sucks. But... I just want to have more space so that I don't have to have a storage unit and everything I own can just be in the van and I'll be good to go. So that's kind of where I'm at with Stormy, but I don't know if I'd be able to sell the van to just anybody. Like I'd have to <laughs> find someone and be like, okay, this is the van that I wanted and now I'm passing her on. <laughs> One thing I love about what you just said is that the way you talked about the van, firstly, yeah, the van has been a total hot mess, uh, if we're being honest, <laughs> since you bought it. But there's just something really great about your attitude towards restoring it, because I feel like it's the exact opposite end of the spectrum with what you're doing with the Heartbreak Road trip itself, where you're really deconstructing things. So th that just, I love the irony of that. And I also really love what you just said about selling the van like when it comes time where you do need to sell that van that 
yeah, that van has held a lot of stories and it has been a part of your healing process. So I don't know, there was something really familiar about the way that you talked about other people passing their belongings from their old relationships to you and how you would be passing this van once it's sold to somebody else. It just obviously holds a lot of significance to your healing process. And it's really cool that that you've built a bond with a van that's broken down so many times. (laughs) It's also funny because... My ex and I tried to stay friends for a couple months after, which is usually not a good idea. And when he found out that I was going to do this, he was like, well, how are you even going to get a van? Like, you're not working right now. You're just doing photography. And like, what are you going to do? And I was like, that's literally none of your business. But also, like, don't worry about it. And he was just like, well, you just want to do van life because I do van life. And I'm like, no, you just were kind of the vessel that I utilized to figure out that this was actually what I wanted. So that was really interesting where he just instantly got really defensive and was like, well, how are you going to do that? And it's like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make it work. And I think I've made it work pretty well, even though... (laughs) The cards really haven't been in my favor with all the mechanical stuff with the van, but I'm hoping everything is good now, and I'm really glad that I stuck with it, because I think it's so easy, and it totally relates to dating culture, but it's so easy to throw something away as soon as it gets really difficult, and I've never really done that. I've always been the type of person to try to fix it, so this kind of was the perfect juxtaposition of hey van life and dating life are pretty similar because if it's broken you can either sell it to someone else and throw it away or you could try to fix it absolutely and there's something too about making your story your own I'm really a big believer that a lot of times we just in general culture let other people define our own stories and that shows up in a lot of ways you know it might be in the objects you hold on to after a relationship or it might be the stories that someone told you it's interesting to hear that you had your ex you know sow seeds of doubt and say well how are you going to do that because I I also had the very same experience earlier on in in my past relationship actually it was like well how how would you even do this without me? And I was like, well, it wouldn't be the van that you and I have, and it wouldn't be built out the way you and I built it out, but I would do it on my own terms. But I didn't really know what that would look like until I had the opportunity to do it when I was traveling on my own. So I just think that there's something to be said for taking the narrative that someone has given you, either through a tangible object or things that they've said, and saying, well, that's your perspective. And this is what I would actually do with it. And this is how I'm going to make this my own story. And it seems like you're a really big proponent of that. Yeah. Being able to do something 100% for me, but still helping other people and like getting to dive in and like have these very personal experiences with other people, I think has helped me realize how much I am so used to giving everybody else that it's really special to be able to sit here and be like, okay, this is 100% for me and for my journey. And this is now my story. And it doesn't matter 
what anybody else says because this is my reality. Like, I posted about it when it was a year of us breaking up and there was a good point in time when I couldn't imagine my life without him and now everything that I'm doing, I literally couldn't imagine him still here. I have done so much in just a year that it's insane. Like, I went from not really knowing who I was and just kind of doing what I thought I was supposed to do to now, like, I'm breaking social norms and, like, diving into these really hard conversations with complete strangers and having all these connections that are so much more meaningful than this one connection that I thought I wanted forever. And it's just like, thank God <laughs> you ruined my life for a short period of time so that now I can look back and be like, okay, thank you. That's more than I could have ever asked from anybody. Like, I'm so glad that he ended that and that I'm where I'm at now. And I feel so grateful and so lucky that I went through that experience and that that reality is not true anymore. Before we hopped off the phone, I asked Allie to pass along some advice. Not just for anyone out there listening, but specifically for herself a year ago. Here's what she said. Things will get better. Like, they will. Obviously, there are still hard days. But at the end of the day, it's so important to live and do things for yourself and to find someone who actually wants to learn and grow and share these experiences with you instead of just take you for all your worth. I think that's so important. And I can now honestly say that I look in the mirror and I love myself and at that point in time I did not. So being able to have that full turnaround it's very possible, and as low as the lows have felt, the highs are so much better now that I've experienced those lows. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to move past something that's really hurtful and devastating, but it's kind of like you just have to keep going, and for a long time I stayed really busy and I didn't deal with it. And then I would sit alone in a room and it would all hit me like a freight train. So I think processing is a really big thing that I know it's so easy not to do, especially when you can go on your phone and find 10 people who want to take you out to dinner and like hang out. But spending time alone and actually processing how you're feeling. Like, it's okay to feel literally every single piece of it and process it in your own way. But if you keep moving forward and keep doing things for yourself, the light at the end of the tunnel comes a lot quicker than if you keep pouring everything of yourself into other people.
Thanks so much to Allie Powell for spending her time having such a raw and honest conversation with me. If you'd like to follow along with Allie and see what the Heartbreak Road Trip is all about, you can find her online at The Heartbreak Road Trip and her personal account at akpow 4 And if you've got something you want to let go from a past relationship, reach out to Allie online. She's still looking for things to help you destroy. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support, which you can find by searching for Women on the Road Podcast. Also, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You could even share this episode with a friend you think might like it. Thanks again to our sponsor, Merrill. Music is by Josh Woodward. This episode was edited by me with support from Gail Straub. Women on the Road is a production of Ravel Creative. Until next time, we'll see you out there.